It's time for JT the Brick. Welcome in to our brand new coverage. We need to come in hardcore. Raiders got a bunch of guys. Back in the old days, they had legends. He gets the Raiders. He understands the Raiders. He's going to be a great Raider. Well, show it to me. No penalties. The only holes that I see on this team are linebackers. There's going to be some moments this year that are going to be top sledding. Okay, one of them could be now. I got it all for you. Keep it PG. No, never happened. I'd like to get this show going the way I know how to get the show going. Our standard is high. We're coming. It's time to fire this thing up. What the hell are you listening to? Who are you getting this garbage from? JT the Brick. Hey, look at me. I'm the needy radio guy. Gimme, gimme, gimme. We are ready to rock. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. Are you with me? One guy kind of throws the fuel into the fire. So sound off like you got up here and get going. Use the phone like a weapon. We need to leave a wake of destruction. That's all I had this week for you. And now, Raider Nation Unite! Here's JT the Brick. Yes, we're back. Uh, JT with you as we kick it off on the flagship of the Raiders. We're brought to you by Michael E. Minden, my diamond jeweler. Right there in the Fashion Show Mall on the second story. Easy to park there. I go right up. I see him there. He's always at the front working with customers, clients, and always getting the referrals from us. If you need a diamond, something for the holidays coming up, if it's an anniversary gift, hey, the most important thing, if you're getting engaged, whatever it is, it's a college or high school graduation, go see Michael E. Minden, our diamond jeweler here, my good friend, and he will take care of you. And he works, man. He is a grinder. He is there. He knows so many people around town. He's been doing it here as long as anyone and a great selection. So when I need something that's perfect or close to it for my mom, my wife, a niece, I go to Michael E. Minden, our diamond jeweler here. He's got everything. Your choices will be exceptional. And tell Michael JT sent you as we kick it off. Now, the Raiders lost to Chicago. It was a terrible loss. That's what we're talking about here Monday and Tuesday. And then we'll move on to the Detroit Lions. I don't know what to tell you. I was shocked that they lost the way they did. They were never in the game. They were never in the game. When Carlson missed the first field goal, which he wasn't at 100%, that happens. You're going to miss a kick. The score was 0-0. It shouldn't deflated the team. The team didn't have much after that. They didn't. They got run over. They got run over at the point of attack. So for everything that Patrick Graham was doing, which I thought he was doing okay and above average the last couple of weeks, he did a lot of shows over the last couple of weeks of the improved Raider defense. What happened in Chicago? They had a letdown. You never heard me say they quit. But Marcus Peters had a play in that game where he didn't show up and make a tackle. As as Max Crosby was coming on the back end, busting his ass to get to the ball, and Marcus Peters wanted no part of any physical play. Now that brings up Patrick Graham, who we're about to play. He spoke today. I like Coach. Yale guy, smart guy. Knows defense, wants to win, accountable, speaks to the media every week. We'll play a portion of his press conference earlier. All right, Coach, how do you fix the missed tackles going into next week? Going to practice, you know, when we start practicing tomorrow, just in terms of angles, closing the angles, get uh, under control, wrapping up basic fundamentals and just practice, practice it a lot, just practice a lot because we're going to have to deal with it this week with Detroit. A lot of skilled players who are dynamic, I think they – might lead the league and run run after contact or yards after contact, yards after catch, whatever it is. So we got a work cut out. The way football is kind of structured right now in terms of the practice, there isn't a lot of actual tackling mm-hmm. in practices if there is at all. So how do you kind of, kind of combat that, that you aren't really able to practice it the way it used to be practiced? 
Well, all 32 teams are dealing with the same situation. So the point of us as coaches is to be able to adapt to the rules and adapt to what we got to get done during practice and the process in terms of how we do that. And the process, again, practice the, the drills we do, practice our angles when we get the team periods, and practice together as a team so that nobody's getting hurt. But that's the main thing. It's obvious that guys are where they need to be for the most part. And you put them in good places, and there's contact sometimes behind the line of scrimmage or at the mm-hmm. line of scrimmage. What do you feel like the issue is in that regard of guys just being able to still break loose? I got to do a better job just during the week of just getting the guys, you know, in the right position to be able to get the guys down and then just keep going through the process of tackling. Just, again, it's something that you got to keep work. It's one of the core fundamentals of football, especially defensively. So you got to just keep working it every day and finding different ways to do it and just work the process. We knew that Chicago was going to try to run the ball a lot. We talked about it last week. Were you surprised they were so successful running the ball? No one's ever happy when the team's able to run the ball uh, the way they did. And, you know, looking at this week with Detroit, it's going to be the same thing in terms of they like to run the ball. They do a good job. Their head coach, you know, just his persona and just his personality, you could tell he's he's rooted in the run game. And their success is rooted in the run game. So we got a challenge ahead of us right now. But never want, want anybody to run the ball successfully. That's, that's, a tough, that's, a tough, that's tough for a defense. When Diablo kind of stepped out, you know, due to injury, Luke Masterson kind of stepped in, kind of more to that role. He's also got a lot of reps so far this season. What are some things that you'd like for him just kind of being ready and also the progression from year one to year two? Luke, from the beginning when we met him last year, you know, he, he's been working on his craft a ton. You know, whether it's in the classroom, out there on the field, he's always ready. You know, the role that he has on special teams and just – pleased with the way he works, the way he works and how he tries to improve and then tries to make the corrections to any mistakes that he makes. And he just does a good job of getting better each week and correct and not being a repeat error guy. That's always a key thing. Coach, we've asked you about Tyree's progress pretty much every week. He mm-hmm. finally got a result, you know, mm-hmm. something in the stat sheet. Uh, I know that's not always the most important thing, but how important is it for young players to maybe just see something show up, just say, okay, look, that's validation of what I've been doing. It's huge for all players. You know, you do all this work throughout the offseason. You build up to a point where you get 17 opportunities that are guaranteed to you, plus the three preseason games, and you want to see a reward from your hard work. So that is important for all those guys. And just happy for Tyree to get the reward. Again, that's not the main thing. Obviously, he's done. He set the edge for us in the run game. He's been able to provide pressure in the pass rush. He's dropped when we need him to drop. So, but in terms of answering your question, just the reward of all the hard work, it's important for all of them. When you look back at the film, did you see the energy and the effort that you were looking for from the defensive side of things? Um, I think just in terms of just last week, just, again, starts with me first and foremost. I mean, I don't think I did a good job putting them in the right spots, and and it just, it just was a bad result, bad result for uh, last week. And I know this, we're working hard right now upstairs in the classroom, the coaches. We're going to work hard when the players get back tomorrow in terms of trying to rectify the situation, and that's that's the main focus right now. Again, can't, can't spend too much time on the week before. You got to learn from it, and then you got to move on, and we got another opportunity. And thankfully, it's Monday night against the Detroit Lions and get a chance against a really good team, and it's going to be a big challenge. There's a, a play uh, involving Marcus Peters uh, you got talked about on the broadcast and on social media where, you know, it kind of – didn't go after making a tackle. Mm-hmm. It felt like the effort wasn't there. Uh, as a coach, where's the maybe the accountability in that regard? And you know, and I'm sure it showed up on film and was probably talked about. But you know, to make sure that that doesn't happen again. 
there's several plays, again, whether it's, you know, whoever it is that, that we want back. Whenever the result is what it was, I mean, 30 to 12, I mean, there are a lot of plays that everybody wants back. I mean, there's a lot of there's calls I want back. So the single out one person when the result like that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not with that. That's just not me. We got, we got, it's a collective. There's 11 people playing defense and we got, we got to play with ball. We got to play with great effort each play. That's part of a good defense. We got to be able to tackle. We got to be able to stop the run and minimize the passing game. And I got to do a good job of putting those guys in the right spot, but I'm not, that's not my, that's not my program. When you watch film, you know, on the lines, what are some things about Jared Goff that kind of stick out that you're going to have to watch out for? How he's manipulating the coverage. You know, he's doing a good job of looking off. Uh, how he's delivering the ball. He's finding the guys in the right spot. You know, he's able to reach different spots on the field, and you can see that, the growth. Again, it's year eight for him, so, I mean, I'm saying the growth from the last time I faced him was a long time ago, but just you see the maturity as a quarterback. He's, you know, the he's comfortable in the pocket. He's comfortable making checks at the line of scrimmage. He's comfortable saying, hey, let's take the profit. So that's when you see really the maturation process of a quarterback, and that's the beautiful thing of being in this thing for 15 years. Now you, see, you get a chance to see guys grow, and just he's doing a really good job, and he's found a nice spot for himself up there in Detroit. Coach, for a bend but don't break defense such as yours, how important is it to get off the field on third down? Third down is important for every defense. You're trying to minimize the amount of opportunities they have to score. You got to get off the field on third down. That I mean, it's not unique to us. Um, so... I mean, it's, it's very important. This, this might be very specific, but mm-hmm. Jared, Jared's splits home and road are, are pretty wild in terms of he's so at such a high level at home. The road, he kind of struggles. Like, do you just watch home film in a case like that? Because that's where you're playing him and that's where he's comfortable? No, just in terms – no, that would not be the case. Got to watch it all. Got to watch, <laughs> watch all the games, get all the information you can, the data, collect the data, and then try to put forth the best game plan to stop him. After a game like that on, on Sunday, are you kind of chomping at the bit to get back out there and get your guys back out there and show that that wasn't really what we're about? I'm always chomping at the bit. I'm a football coach, competitive. So, I mean, does the result I mean, again, we got 17 opportunities, all this hard work each week. I mean, each throughout the year for 17 opportunities. I'm always chomping at the bit. That's what I do. I mean, that's what we do. We coach football. I really enjoyed that. I needed to hear that. I didn't hear that today, and I'm happy we played it all. I thought it would play four or five minutes. I said, play the seven because Q and a couple of guys there, Vinny asked some good questions. You got to ask the coach what happened to Marcus Peters, and the coach is not going to throw one of his players under the bus. But some fans don't understand it. You cannot connect with those fans who don't get it. But they think it should just be pitchforks in that room and people should fire everyone and – Talk down to the team. That doesn't happen in professional sports. Mark Sanchez, who was on the broadcast for Fox, so he called the game for Fox. Here's what he said about the Marcus Peters tackle. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, he laughed. He laughed at a Raider player in the replay when they showed that play from Marcus Peters. So we know what happened to Marcus Peters, that Marcus Peters got a lot of heat when he came back. He's getting crushed on social media. Welcome to the club. And it happens. But how they coach it up? Well, what happens with him? Does he have a job? Does he have his job after something so egregious? Or does he have to really ask for to keep his job? That'd be something I think would be a really interesting thing that we'll find out somewhere down the road. Might not be this year. Did Marcus Peters play so badly that he's on the verge of being cut for that Or did he have an opportunity to get in front of the coaches and say, look, I get it. I can't believe I did it. Please 
or I'd like to get another chance. I'd like to know that. They're not going to tell me, and they're not going to tell you. But the coach, that's the defensive coordinator. He's got to fix that along the way. So Patrick Graham, have a lot of respect for that man. I do. I do. I have a lot of respect for the head coach. I have a lot of respect for the D, offensive coordinators, everybody there. It's not working right now. they got to fix it, and that's what we're talking about this week. Nash is in Houston listening on the Raiders mobile app. What's happening? Hey, appreciate it, JT. You know, again, I, I do uh, give uh, compliments to the coaches. They stand there and they do take the tough questions. And, uh, again, and, and they, they take it on themselves and we got to coach better. But the reality of it is it comes down to the Jimmys and Joes that are on the field. And uh, to just hitchhike on what you said to me, you've got to make some changes. And I think the first one I would make is cut Peters just to mm. demonstrate that that's not the Raider way. And, again, he was sitting on his couch for a while anyway. It's not like uh, he's a pro bowler anymore. But I would rather see Tyler Hall get some time because he looks like a guy that will at least come up and tackle somebody. And so I'd like to see some uh, changes on defense. I'd like to see Nesta Jay play a little bit more just to get a big guy in the middle to try to help stop against the run. And uh, on offense – you know, I think Jimmy got off to a rough start, and I think he started playing a little bit too cautious. I mean, because I agreed with you when they got Jimmy. I said, we're going to be much better in the red zone, and it hasn't been that way, and I just think he got a little bit happy feet, rather than the offensive line, getting some turnovers that were uncharacteristic for him early in the season where he just mm-hmm. didn't want to force the ball in. So to me, uh, you always say, we've got to yeah. play faster. I'd like to see uh, – uh, them play without a fullback, put Mayer as a fullback, put him in motion, play three wides, play faster, and, and really give ourselves some chances to get down the field yeah. further. That's and a good... la- last comment mm-hmm. is, uh, I, I didn't listen way back then, but I, did, did, uh, Gru- uh, did uh, Gruden take as much grief when he lost to Nick Mullins all those years ago because it was about yeah. the same a pathetic performance yesterday? Yeah, I, I've been a part of some bad losses around here and some great wins, and all the coaches take heat. They all take heat. This coach is getting a lot of heat right now. He knows it. I know it. You know it. And that's part of the business here. I'm not the pitchfork guy, the coach. Let's throw gasoline on the fire. I've never been that guy. Never been. But, you know, when I don't agree with the decision to kick a field goal or a decision on a play call or to play faster, that's what I do. I just tell you what I think from my opinion, but I defer to the organization and the coach as they're trying to fix it here. That's the way to be a pro. That's how you got to be professional in this seat. And I've seen it in every angle since I've been with this team with all the coaches I have. They're under tremendous stress to win football games. It's really hard. Some are better than others. you got to win to stick around here. We all know that. So we'll see what happens. A Lions wide receiver Marvin Jones announces that he's stepping away from football. More on this story coming up momentarily. And when it comes to winning this game, that was a really good call by Nash. I like to point out good calls. And everybody who calls me, I really appreciate when you check in. He made a good point about Jimmy G early, not wanting to throw into coverage, not wanting to make a mistake. Too bad. Now you throw into coverage. Now you throw into coverage. And if if they intercept the ball, it's going to happen. Hopefully it doesn't. You make a great tight window throw. What I tried to say in the monologue, if you didn't join us right at the top of the hour, 12 Pacific, 3 Eastern, is that everything must be almost thrown out. You're not going to throw out the fundamentals. Hey, we run this play to Devontae well. Jacoby Myers is really good in the red zone with that play. We're not going to get rid of that. But everything else that hasn't worked, 
by now. I've talked to head coaches about this. If something hasn't worked through week seven, throw it out. No more. No more. It might work week eight. Running Josh Jacobs up the middle is not working. So stop it. Don't do it anymore unless you think you have to on third and short or or fourth and goal at the one, of course. But running it into the pile on second and seven with this group, after all the games we watch, does not work. It's not going to pop. Now, I hope I'm wrong. Maybe they run it into the pile. On second and seven, Josh makes a head fake. He goes for 30. I'd like to see that happen. I haven't seen it. So I'd like to see the quarterback sprint right, sprint right, he's an athlete, plant his back foot and hit Devontae on a crossing route for 40 yards. I'd like to see that instead of handing it off up the middle on first and 10. Can't do that anymore. It doesn't work. So if it hasn't worked, don't try to make it work. Don't be stubborn and run it again. Run more aggressive plays at a faster pace. Is there anybody against me on that term about playing faster? I don't mean no huddle. I watch it exclusively at the game. The play is over. Hand off to the right side, gain of four. I watch players walk back to the huddle. The play come in. Then the quarterback's got to tell the team to play. That process is too long. And then they get out of the huddle. They get to the line. And I look at the play clock, and it's five, four, three. And the other team's like, Holy crap, we just rested. We didn't have to do anything. We walked back to the defensive huddle. We're rested, and we're looking behind them, and we see four seconds on the play clock. Everyone ready to go? Let's go. Let's just play a little faster. Get the playoff with 15 seconds to go. Add up those 15-yard saves. Add them all up, 15, 12, 10, 15, 15, 18, 12. All of a sudden, you might get a couple more possessions. But I think the problem with this unit is, is they're not confident enough, and they're going three and out. So if you go three and out faster because you're running at a faster pace, uh uh-oh, oh, oh my God, then it backfires, and I get that. I get that. So it's a complex situation. I just want them to see see them play more explosive because I think they can. If I didn't think they can, I wouldn't say it. If I said, oh, my God, this team sucks. Like, they're bad. They don't have Devontae. They don't have Jacoby. They don't have Hunter. They don't have Michael Mayer. We got players, then do whatever you want to do. Run the ball into the pile. We got players here who are really good throughout their careers by making plays downfield. Let's get them open downfield. Let's try to fix it. I think they can. Jorge, San Jose, thanks for checking in. What do you got? Hey, JT, thanks for taking my call. You know, I heard uh, Patrick Graham's uh, press conference right now, and I think the biggest issue that I'm seeing, I went back and rewatched the first half yesterday because I, I, was, I was only able to hear it on, on, on the radio. The one thing that I was, was upsetting is that the Raiders do well to, on defense the first three downs. They're getting stops, but then they're in third and one. Then they're in third and two situations, and I feel like that's where it just – deflates the defense because they do so much they, they work so hard to get the first three stops but I think that the tackling again is just is subpar you know I want to see some rookies out there I think uh, Isaiah Palomao would be a great addition you know seeing Marcus Epps get run over by Deontay Foreman the the running back of the Bears that was embarrassing to see him drop his shoulder and just get laid out 
that was unacceptable. And I know Marcus Epps got paid a lot of money this year to be there. I know Marcus Peters is there and, and, and Hey, they're, they're on the field 95% of the time. And Mm -hmm. so I know that they're trying to do their best, but switch it up. And then on the offensive side, I, I completely agree. I think that they just need to switch it up. I'm not saying to stop being conservative. I think Josh McDaniels has proven that he's been able to be competitive, especially last year. And I think it's worthy to ask, why can't you just switch it up and catch another team off guard every once in a while? You know, do a jet sweep. Instead of doing it with Devontae, do it with Trey Tucker. Have Michael Mayer be your number one read every once in a while mm-hmm. so that he can go and catch it. The guy's a big dude. I saw him in that game and he can catch it and he can run over people. Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying is that they need to just switch it up at least every once in a while in the game to just catch the defense off guard and stop being so predictable. That's all I got this uh, today, JT. Mm-hmm. Thanks for taking my yeah, call. Thank you. Thank you. And I think that Mick Lombardi, who I know reasonably well, you know, as an acquaintance and Josh McDaniels, who I talk to every week, are trying to find a way to open up the offense a little bit more, and they haven't been able to do it. And it's probably super frustrating because they've had the ability to do that in previous spots, and they love the process of play calling and looking at film and then opening it up. And you know, I keep hearing about how Devontae's being doubled, and we all know Devontae's being doubled. So was Jerry Rice, so was Randy Moss. All the great ones are doubled. But when Devontae gets open, it looks really easy to me, doesn't it to you? When Devontae runs that slant across the middle and they hit him in stride, that looks really easy to me. Run it again. Just keep running it. And then set up instead of that in slant, give a head fake and go to the outside, and it'll be wide open. I don't like plays that are thrown on the out-of-bounds marker. I don't. I don't a lot. That's another big frustrating thing. And that's not a Raider thing. Problem with me, Bobby, is people read my tweets and they think everything's about the Raiders. 20% of it is. I watch sports for a living. I watch the Niner-Minnesota game. I'm tweeting about that game. I got people coming in going, but what about Josh? It's not about Josh McDaniels. I have a life. I'm watching another game. I'm commenting on the game. I'm commenting on other things. I don't like in football when quarterbacks throw these sideline routes out of bounds throughout the game. It's an impossible catch. It literally is impossible. And fortunately, some of these elite receivers can make that play. And we think we can all do it. That, that drives me nuts when Jimmy throws an out route or someone throws it and you got to catch it, got to catch it, and get your feet down as it looks like it's going out of bounds. I, I get it. I know why you're throwing it. You're using the sideline. They're playing you. They're playing you out. They're playing you to play and go to the sideline. But, man, a lot of times around here it's a wasted play. It's an incompletion or it just goes out of bounds. Throw the ball into the middle of the field. I know it's dangerous. You know, they tried to get Josh over the middle on a check down, deflected interception. I get it. I'm not a play caller here, man. Oh, and I wanted to let everybody know that I did not miss three tackles and drop two balls for those on the Internet. I did not miss three tackles and drop two balls. And I thought I did the best radio of my life the last week leading into the Bears game. So we lost a game. Everybody lost a game. Got to beat Detroit. Got to beat Detroit and Jared Goff. The day I walk in this building and I'm in fear of Jared Goff, I should just walk out of the building. Okay, I'm in fear of Patrick Mahomes because of the misdirection we never stop. I'm not in fear of Jared Goff. And if Goff wins by double digits, I'll tip my cap. But the Raiders got to find a way to beat him. Uh, Brazy, you're up next here in Vegas on 920 AM. What's going on? Hey, JC. The big 
biggest thing that really bothered me about that game, the offense is the offense, right? It's nine games in, whatever. It's horrible. But I, I was surprised defensively we didn't try and attack this rookie. We didn't try and confuse him. I felt like we were vanilla and we made it easy for him. Mm-hmm. You know, put 10 guys on the line, drop half off, rush them, do a bunch of stunts, do smitch, mix up coverages, blitz him. It felt like we didn't even blitz him. That was really, I was hoping somebody in the press conference today with the coach would kind of ask about the defensive game plan and why why we didn't, you know, try and pressure the rookie more or try and confuse him. It really felt like we did him a favor by doing it vanilla. And th- that was that was my biggest, you know, thing that I hated to see. It, mm-hmm. it was very frustrating. You know, again, yeah, I went to Detroit. They've been horrible my whole life. It's it's one of those things as a fan, you're so frustrated, so angry, but then it clicks over and it's like, hey, we got this next game. Let's let's win in front of the world on Monday night in Detroit. Get to four and four and come home for the two New York teams. Let us get back in the building, Raider Nation, getting as loud as we can, trying to affect the game as much as we can. It's just, you know, it's so frustrating. Like everybody said all week, we've seen this over and over. They mm-hmm. they let the no name guy just trash us, but. You know, hopefully a team can step it up and, and, and get us that W. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just turn it Monday night and hope for the best. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm hoping for the best on Monday night, too. I'm hoping for the best on Monday night, too. And uh, we'll get into that. When we come back, Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox as we continue on. And uh, we'll talk to him and go around the league. I think he's got the commanders coming up. I'll ask Chris here before he checks in. And we'll keep it rolling here tomorrow. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Waiting on an alumni. Golden Knights. How good are the Golden Knights? I want to get to some Golden Knights as I went to the game in Chicago. I think it's a good time to tell a story about how cool that was and how great the Golden Knights are. And the Aces Parade last night. Congratulations to the entire organization on a back-to-back championship parade. That's great for Vegas. Add that to the sports and entertainment capital of the world. Yeah, versus any good team, you know, last year we went to Kansas City and played them on Monday Night Football, and we got off to a fast start, and I think that was really important for us, not just, you know, in terms of, you know, us versus them, but for our confidence as well. We want to get off a fast start for us, you know, not just for the pump, but we want to get off a fast start and make sure we get confidence in ourselves, and we feel like, hey, we can actually get this done, and we can really do this, because we have that belief in practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're ready to go, and then we got to go out there and, and and we got to make sure that if any little hiccup comes up in a drive, we don't let it falter us and don't let it affect us because we want to make sure that we get, you know, the most positive place we can. But um, we want to do that for us. And it, whether it counteracts what they're doing defensively um, or what they're doing, I would say, as a, as a unit. But we got to do that for ourselves first. And it, it only helps to do it against your opponent on the road. It's Mick Lombardi, the offensive coordinator. I think that's been an issue with the Raiders. They get a drive going. False start, pre-snap penalty, they go backwards, and then that's hurt them. That's hurt them for a long time. That's been a big problem with this team is getting some momentum going and then losing it. Chris Myers in a moment, he's going to join us. We're brought to you by Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. You know, there's been a lot of talk in number 24 this week. I want to talk about the 24 I know, the great Charles Woodson, friend and friend of the show. I was at his Hall of Fame party. I covered his entire career. We came to the team the same year. That's how long I've been covering Charles's career. He is excellence personified. Now he's got a deal with the Raiders. He's got an agreement with the Raiders with his Woodson bourbon whiskey. Just great. I look up during the game on the jumbo video boards and see Charles 
promoting his brand with the Raiders, fantastic. Charles Woodson's Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. If you don't see it when you're out on town, ask for it. If they don't have it, tell me. I'll tell his crew. And then we'll work on it, and it's worked before in the past. Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. Love 24 and what he does for us. He's a proud partner of our show. Okay, Chris Myers, kind enough to join us as we'll go around the league. Had the Bijan Robinson details, which we'll talk about. The headache, he was limited in that game. Chris had the game. Chris, thanks for joining us. And let's begin. What were you hearing about Bijan Robinson and what happened with that situation? Well, it is for fantasy players and the league likes they have the injury setup protocol just like even if it's a player who's sick or illness and you have to notify the league and make it public at, at some point and obviously we we called that game uh, uh mark Schlereth and i the the falcons in tampa bay and and talked late saturday evening with the head coach as part of our production meeting and there was there was no mention of of anything wrong with him. So I don't know if they didn't realize it Saturday night. Sounds like in the aftermath, maybe they did. But even if he wakes up Sunday morning, uh, they send out an active or inactive list. And usually, if there's mm-hmm. a player who has an illness or an injury, they're supposed to at least inform us. And it's our job as broadcasters to you know relay it to the audience and and uh, as as members of the media, kind of a conduit. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if they hid that, uh, which that's why the league is investigating, or if they just didn't feel like it was worth reporting because it was unusual. JT, you, you know, you, 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 he's part of a game plan. All we had was that Cordero Patterson was healthier and was going to get a lot of get a lot of action along with uh, uh, Tyler Algier, who they did. But when Bijan didn't show up, we asked, and even our reporter Christina Pink asked at the half, we noticed he, get, he came in for a few snaps. Uh, but here's a star rookie who they've been balancing his workload, and, and he didn't get his hands on the football. And, and it was actually 11 snaps, and eventually at the very end of the game, kind of a slight handoff. So I, I'm not sure what the background is, but I think it is important for the NFL to look into that so that all teams are, are held accountable because it certainly affected the Bucks from the standpoint of preparation, thinking Bajon Robinson was going to go. And then obviously people who have other interests like gambling on a game or fantasy. Mm-hmm. So it's the right thing to do when these things come up because it didn't just spur them. It didn't happen seconds before the game. There at least was an indication that morning from what we understand. Yeah, Chris Myers is our guest. Chris, tell me about Baker because I, I don't get a chance to watch the whole game and I try to watch the games you call, but I was traveling yesterday and I looked at the numbers a touchdown and an interception. He was sacked three times. A really good opportunity for the Buccaneers to go, you know, to four and two instead of three and three. And the highlights I see this year with him connecting with Mike Evans looks pretty good. Are they take, trying to take Evans out of that game as his number one receiver? And is he do, Baker doing a good enough job checking down to other receivers who might be open? What, how do you assess his play? Well, his play has taken a hit. Now, I know right now he's not as healthy, and I'm not sure if it was a leg injury. That's not an excuse for the last few performances. I, I think it's better competition, right? They got out to a 3-0 and start. Uh, he was managing the game well, making plays, especially with his legs. And I think, JT, that's one thing he has to do, uh, just given his style of game, is that he's got to run four or five times a game, whether it's by design or not. And he had a 31-yard run that put him in, in great position. But uh, his interception was brutal against Atlanta. In a, on a second down throw, you're already in field goal range in a three-point game, it was, and, and the receiver just wasn't open. As far as the Evans connection, that's a good, that's a healthy connection. Mm-hmm. He had a 40-yard touchdown pass to him and Chris Godwin. They really have, and he told us when we talked to him that these are the two best receivers he's ever played with. So 
he doesn't have an excuse in terms of that. I just don't think he admitted in the loss to Detroit that he didn't play well. They have no running game at all. Part of that's the offensive line. Part of that's the backs. So it's putting more pressure on him to throw. And he's just not a sit back and throw it 35, 40 times a game, no matter who his receivers are. That's not the kind of quarterback he is. So they have taken a serious hit, the Bucks could have been in control of the division, and now Atlanta's on that top spot with that loss. Their defense is very good in getting better, and I think in Atlanta's case, too, uh, for all the heat Desmond Ritter had with his three interceptions the previous week, he had three lost fumbles but yet made the big play at the end. The Falcons have improved their defense to a great degree. They're one of the better defenses in the NFL. Chris Myers joins us. I'm sure you were surprised to see the Lions score, but then you look at the box score, and Lamar Jackson's 21-27, 357, three touchdowns, no interceptions. His QBR was off the charts, and, of course, he was able to run it nine times for 36 yards. That is premier Lamar Jackson, Chris, and we know Detroit works off the play action. If they're behind and they can't make the play action kind of a secret and jump on a team that way, they were exposed yesterday. How'd you say it? Yeah, they didn't run the ball well, and they had, there's no excuses there given the investment. And, you know, I'm a big Jared Goff guy, and that's what he has to do is work the ball around and play off the play, play action because they don't have that, you know, that Justin Jefferson kind of receiver. Uh, they have to work it around to Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds and Laporta, the tight end. But give the, the Ravens credit for playing good defense. Yeah, they, they've had a couple of clunkers like this, the Lions, and then they bounce back. They're very good in that department. Late last year, they, they lost at Carolina and then came back and, beat the Packers and Lambeau. So I, I still see them as one of the top teams in the NFC. And, and look, the Ravens, Lamar has to play that way more often to be mentioned as one of the great quarterbacks in the league, one of the elite. Uh, he just doesn't do that on a regular basis. Some of that could be by design or the, the opponents. But that was a, a big misstep uh, for the Lions. I think they're still, as I said, one of the better teams. And I expect the Ravens to kind of be a playoff team I have all the way along. But yes, Lamar Jackson, if he plays at that level, and that is the weak spot of this Lions team. I thought they improved their defense uh, with it, with adding the corners that they've had, uh, but they might look for help in that secondary at the trade deadline because of the injury to Emmanuel Mosley. Chris Myers, our guest. Chris, what are you hearing on Derek Carr? He had to walk back his behavior in the loss against Jacksonville, and I covered Derek for nine years in Oakland and Vegas, and I've seen him emotional, but not like that. The pressure to play in New Orleans, a team that really could control their destiny there, and they're in third place, only ahead of Carolina. They're behind Tampa Bay and Atlanta there, and I thought Derek would have a comfortable lead this year and have a home playoff game. Dennis Allen, Derek Carr, the offense, him kind of dressing down Olave. What's the issue going on right now in New Orleans? Yeah, I think you point to the offensive coordinator and not meshing the offensive players and they have no excuse now with with a healthier Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams to help with the ground game their offensive line has got some wear and tear but you know Michael Thomas and Olave they're they're not they just I I don't know how quarterback friendly they are Derek Carr would never say a bad word about about Mm -hmm. any of those guys but you make a good point in the few games we've had with him I, I think he puts a lot of pressure on himself because of the big signing. Dennis Allen drafted him in Oakland. He he kind of joked about, hey, I got I was the quarterback that got Dennis Allen fired uh, when he was the head coach. And so when he came calling, and uh, this is where I wanted to be, and I thought we had a chance to win and be successful, and, and they still do. But I think he's a little bit frustrated with, with, with the lack of cohesiveness and togetherness on that offense. He's trying to do his part. Uh, but there were a couple, I think Kamara called some guys out for not doing their part, not being prepared mentally and physically. Uh, and, and, you know, leaving teammates uh, out to dry, so to speak. 
So that's an issue. And there's another team where I think they're very good defensively. They should have lost that game to, to Jacksonville, give the Jags credit. Mm-hmm. I saw an interesting stat on that, and I, and I didn't watch the entire game to double-check this, but there were, there were 14 third-down uh, pass attempts that Derek Carr had, and he, and he completed only one pass of those 14 opportunities that was good enough for a first down. In other words, some were, were dumped off short, but they weren't good enough for the first down. You're not going to be successful that way, whether that's his fault or somebody else on the offense. But that's the reason that they're struggling, at least the primary reason. Wrapping up with Chris Myers. Chris, comment please on Deshaun Watson being out. He tried to give it a go, but the Browns coaching, I thought by beating the Niners in this last game by one point in India, a game they could have lost. They could have lost the game to the Niners if the kick was good. I think they're early playing themselves into a playoff team. No one cares about how you win. And their back-to-back wins, which were really down to the wire, they get out with wins here. I think that's going to help them as a playoff team long-term. How about you? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, P.J. Walker, I mean, a cast-off, is leading this team as the quarterback, and he's, he's functioning. It's because their defense is so good. And, and Miles Garrett, you know, we talked before about Rookie of the Year with C.J. Stroud, if we're voting here, I mean, Miles My, Garrett, clearly the defensive player of the year. There's a lot of good ones, but he would go to the front of the line, maybe even an MVP across the board. Uh, and, and Stefanski has done, remember, they're, they're without their, with Nick Chubb, they're without their starting running back and without their starting quarterback. And, and, and look, I, I was never in favor of Deshaun Watson, even if he remove, and it's hard to remove his off-the-field issues but the way whether it's health or preparation uh, he has not done enough of that for his guaranteed money in in Cleveland and he may go on the injured list again uh, for four more weeks he's just not reliable and and so I I think the coaching staff and the players there the other players not Deshaun Watson deserve a lot of credit uh, for as you said battling hard Kevin Stefanski keeping them in a playoff position uh, with a with a guy who's uh, who comes off as a me guy and has certainly not contributed to that to that team and so I hope the ownership of the Browns have made this big splash and paid this kind of money for a guy uh, that didn't show to be as reliable as committed. Maybe that's the thing, just reading into this, not as committed uh, to doing what you have to do to be a professional. And and yet the Browns are having some success without him. So I hope that they're well aware of that up in the front office, even though he's got his guaranteed money. All right. Finally, you're in the early window coming up. Eagles commanders. You got that game there. Instead of a broad question about the game, I want to ask you about Jalen Hurts because, you know, my son went to Oklahoma when he went there and he came out of Alabama. I have never seen a player, I won't say ever, but recently, who has the command of the microphone, his teammates, his coaches, his family. What a great leader. What's it like to talk to him, Chris, call one of his games and be in his presence? He just seems like he's well advanced amongst the years. Well, you make a good point because when you sit and talk to him, he's very thoughtful. Uh, he doesn't waste words. Uh, he, he tries to be as candid and as professional, even in a in a casual conversation in a production meeting. The few times that I've been around him, and and I know that I'll give him credit for this as a young guy who is establishing himself in the league, even before the Super Bowl run last year. And maybe you've read about this, JT. He, he surrounded himself with with uh, really good professionals in different areas, whether it's helping with media, whether it's helping with finances, whether it's helping with uh, physical conditioning, above and beyond what, what you normally get with a, with a professional team, the kind of support that, that is offered. And, and, and that stood out to me because he's lived it and feels it. And on the field, even though, I, and I'm one of them, I'm still waiting, you know, can he, can he sit back and I guess look at certain teams and, and give you that, that Patrick Mahomes kind of throwing performance. But, you know, he doesn't have to because his best game is when he is running himself 
and, and he is throwing. So that's the kind of guy he is on the field, and I think he is seeking perfection. And, and as other quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame have told me, that you never really get it, but if you're seeking it and coming close, then you're, you're doing what you should do. And he, he's doing that in, in each game that he yeah. does. And I know they had a tough time the last time with Washington, and that's the team that beat him last year that took him to overtime. Uh, but given where Washington is, uh, this should be a game, especially after the way they looked the other night against a very good Dolphin team. Uh, but to come back to your point, uh, yes, uh, the, you are impressed when, when you're around him. And you could see if you were a teammate of his in the huddle or on the sideline when he was out there running the offense or leading your team, uh, that you have to feel very confident. And I think the coach exhibits that through him as well. Real quick, out of all the restaurants you've been to, because those who dream of being an accomplished broadcaster like you, calling <laughs> professional games, best city to eat in. I just got back from Chicago. Gibson's, a steakhouse, pound for pound. You live in L.A. You know the best restaurants in L.A. Miami, the Stone Crab, New York City. You've been in there a million times. Uh, right. You're in the nation's capital coming up. What's the best number one sports town to eat in the night before a big game? Wow, that's a tough question because they all have great <laughs> spots. And believe me, we talk to players, coaches, people who've lived there, other broadcasters who are far more experienced than I that have been through these cities, and they recommend. A few that jump out, you just mentioned this. I love Tao in New York, right, Manhattan. Uh, I love the uh, Vic and Al's in Houston. It's a it's it's a great steak place. Uh, there, Desi's Desi's Steakhouse in New Orleans is known for its great seafood, which you can't go wrong. Yes. But De- Desi's Steakhouse, which has you know great crawfish, but their steaks too, and 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 the, and the preparation that they have. Uh, it's not one of the touristy places, but that's cer- certainly worth uh, going to. Uh, boy, and I can't think of the, the place in, uh, what is, oh, Ocean, it's called Ocean Prime, and I know there's a few of those, but Ocean Prime mm-hmm. in Tampa, right near, not too far from wow. Raymond James Stadium, is outstanding seafood. So those are, those are a few, you know, you can't go, there's some of them, that, you know, they're like the Bass Rose, you can't go wrong with those steak places, but those are, those are the top ones on the list, but I gotta be honest, I could not name the best one, because each time we get to pick some of the hot spots, uh, some are pricey, but it's absolutely worth it. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Appreciate you. All right. Take care. See ya. Take care, Chris. And you look at the Vegas restaurants. I just want to get that in. I'm surprised, Chris. You know, he's done, he's done one or two games here in Vegas, but look at the restaurants we have here in this town. And we give them shout outs all the time, especially our proud partners and some of the casinos that we represent and their steakhouses and restaurants from Resorts World to M Resorts Bond Casino. And one coming back. Big announcement coming up with me here over the next week or so. We'll wrap it up on the other side. Take your calls and get to cue. Eichel rink wide left. Marcheseau around the Barbashev screen. Marcheseau shoots and they score. Jonathan Marcheseau. Vegas takes that two to one lead. Jonathan Marcheseau's third goal and his second in as many games. Yes, Dan Duva on the call. VGK, proud partner in our building. Also Grimaldi's. You just heard, best pizza I've ever had. You say, how could you say that? I'm from New York, man. I've had great pizza my whole life. I've had the best of the best in New York. My dad and I both agree when he's out here. Grimaldi's the best pizza I've ever had.
consistently great right there in Boca Park is where you find me. There are other locations in the Valley, but I love Boca. I love getting it to go. I love the $50 Grimaldi's gift card. I love everything about it. they got a good wine menu, the great salads, the Caprizi salad, everything you want. It's at Grimaldi's. Proud partner of our show. Tomorrow, Vinny Bonsignor, Vince Sapienza, Bill Williamson, and a Raider alumni as I'm working on a Hall of Famer to check in tomorrow. Should be a big show coming in there. Let me get going here. Speed Brick, get in and get out. Jeff in Vegas. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, 100% of the Raiders' offensive snaps for the first three quarters against the Bears when they were trailing were taken with less than 10 seconds mm-hmm. left on the play clock. This is 2023 NFL. If that doesn't change, nothing you see is going to change. That's all I've got. That's what I've been saying. I will not argue with you on that. Uh, we could agree on that. I agree with you on that. Play faster. That's no disrespect to any coach. I said it when Lane Kiffin was the coach, Norv Turner was the coach, Archell was the coach, John Gruden was the coach, Josh McDaniel was the coach. Something I always say. Ira, Tennessee, what's happening, Ira? Hey, JT, thank you again. Love the show as always. I'm going to be pretty optimistic. The last time the Raiders won in Detroit was on Monday Night Football, and they're going to do it again this year. Thank you very much. I love that. Look at that little Raider Monday Night Football knowledge. Raider 66. You want to talk knowledge, it starts here. Go ahead. Hey, GT. How you doing? Good. Yeah, the the players know that they have more talent than the results have shown. And uh, it doesn't take much. It's too vanilla. I mean, I said we've got a flip phone offense in an iPhone 15 league right now. we have to show progress. We got mm-hmm. 10 games left to show progress, but this is reminiscent. And you were there 2003, Bill Callahan's last year, they had a star studded offense and they finished four and 12. You had Brown and rice receivers. Mm-hmm. You had Garner and Wheatley at a running back. You had Gannon at quarterback till he got hurt halfway through, but uh, you yep. were there. So, you know, there was stuff was. going on in the locker room and uh, I'm afraid with these generational losses that we've had, the Indy and the Rams last mm-hmm. year and, and Sunday, that could happen, and that's yes. what I'm afraid of. Yes, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear Raiders 66 is afraid of anything. Got to win the game. Got to win the game. We spent two days on the Chicago Bears. We are on to Detroit, and hopefully with the extra day on Monday, the Raiders play better. Stay tuned for Q. Bobby, thanks. All of our guests today, hell of a show. We've been at an alarming pace the last couple of days. Have a great night. you got a Game 7 in baseball and a lot of hockey. All the games going off staggering at once. Should be an unbelievable night.